VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 43 of This Week at VA. I am your host, Timothy Lawson. Today's episode includes a conversation with Walmart's Senior Director for Military Programs, Mr. Gary Prophet. We'll also mention our Veteran of the Day and how you can get a Presidential Memorial Certificate in honor of a veteran buried at a national cemetery. But first, uh, as many of you have seen, Secretary Shulkin has been making appearances at SVO conventions this summer. And just this week, he spoke at AMVETS convention in Norfolk, Virginia. You may remember the conversation I had with AMVETS National Director Joe Shinelli here on the podcast earlier this year. I'm going to play a segment from Secretary Shulkin's remarks at the convention. If you're interested in hearing it in its entirety, uh, go to usvets.tv and follow their link for the 73rd National AMVETS Convention. Here it is. Check it out. So let me just talk to you a little bit about um, what's happening in VA. Uh, and what's happening across the country. Probably the question I get the most is, can we actually fix the VA? And if so, what can we do to fix the VA? And uh, if I didn't believe that we could fix the VA and make it a much stronger organization than it is today, I would not have taken this position. And I believe, and you'll see the, way, the, the approach that I'm taking is one of the first things that I did uh, when coming secretary was to actually go out and to talk about what the problems in the VA are. Now, a lot of people, just going on and off, okay. a lot of people might not have thought that was a good strategy to start off by talking about the problems that you have, but frankly, that's the only approach that makes sense to me, which is. You can't fix problems if you don't acknowledge that you have problems. You can't ask for help if you don't tell people where you need the help. And so early on, when I became secretary, I asked the president if he would mind if I used his White House briefing room. And I, from there, on live TV, I went out and I talked about 13 areas that I thought that if we didn't fix, that we weren't going to fix VA. We were just going to put Band-Aids on it. So you can see a list of these 13 areas that I talked about. We have some major issues that we have to fix if we're going to keep this a sustainable, strong organization. I'm not going to go through all of these, but I just wanted to show you that's the approach. Now, even though I started and I continue to talk about the problems that we have, I don't want to give the impression that we're not making progress, because we are making progress. Uh, since the beginning of this year, we've scheduled 46% more appointments out in the community so veterans are getting care that they need and not waiting for care, uh, but 46% more appointments since just the beginning of this year. We've reduced our wait time list for those waiting the longest by 64%. 82% of our VAs across the country have shown significant improvements in their quality measures. And in terms of satisfaction, just two years ago, 42% of veterans said that they trusted VA. Today, that number is 65%. Not high enough, but thank you. But 
I want to show you we're making progress, but I don't believe we're going to really fix the VA the way that our veterans deserve and need it unless we address the 13 areas that I talked about. Now, a lot of people complain about the VA, and you read newspaper articles all too often about the problems that we have. But I do want to let you know that last week a study came out in one of the publications that actually went directly to veterans and just listened to them without it going through lots of reports and commissions. It was actually on Yelp where veterans get to actually rate their experience. And you can see veterans, when they directly rate their experience, rate VA hospitals higher than their community hospitals. The VA scored a 3.7 out of 5, where private hospitals scored a 3.19. So I think there are some things we can point to that we're headed in the right direction, we're making progress. But I really want to talk about what we need to do from this point forward to make a big difference for all of you. And so I've come up with five priorities, and these are the five areas that I believe we need to focus on to fundamentally transform and fix the VA. Secretary Shulkin then goes into describing his five priorities, which are uh, creating greater choice, modernizing our systems, focusing on resources, improving timeliness in all areas, and then suicide prevention. Uh, Again, usvets.tv has the full video and more from the AMVETS convention. Today's feature interview is with Mr. Gary Profit. Gary is a retired Army general and is currently the Senior Director for Military Programs at Walmart. Gary talks to us about joining the Army, his experiences in the military, his work at Walmart, and the importance of hiring and employing military veterans and their spouses and the value they bring to the workforce. Enjoy. Gary Profit, Army veteran. Uh, I should have had this pulled up with your exact title, director director of of mil. Sorry, you're gonna have to say it. I had it pulled up and then I closed the tab. And oh, now no, I'm lost. That's fine, Tim. I'm the senior director of military programs at Walmart. There we go. Thank you. I knew director and Walmart and programs were in there, but of course uh, I got click happy and closed the tab. Uh, sir, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we are going to start this interview where we start all interviews, and that is. Uh, going back to your decision to join the United States Army, bring us back to that day for you. Uh, certainly. I uh, was uh, commissioned through the uh, Reserve Officer Training Corps Program, ROTC, at Eastern Michigan University uh, in 1974. Uh, many of us remember that is a time when uh, the Vietnam War was winding down, and um, I, I think that uh, what attracted me to um, service uh, in part was uh, the fact that my father was a Marine Corps veteran of World War II, and uh, in part uh, <laughs> um, just by uh, my sense that uh, uh, one of the important parts of uh, being a citizen of the United States was to be willing to serve uh, my country in in some way, and, and my way of choosing was to uh, see that through military service. 
Okay. Any um, just curious. Any reason why you chose chose the army? I guess probably because uh, that was the ROTC program oh, sure. affiliation uh, at Eastern Michigan University. I'm not sure it was any more complex than that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I usually don't ask. For some reason, uh, I was I was curious there. Um, sure. Let's. Uh, um, I know you, you had a you had a long time in, but let's uh, let's try to narrow it down to one experience, one story that maybe you recall on often, something that maybe you view as noteworthy, significant, or just the epitome of your time in. Do you have a story like that you can share with us? Gosh, over the course of 31 years, there were probably uh, lots of them. Yeah. Um, I uh, I guess that uh, one um, set of experiences um, would be associated with the time that I worked for the Secretary of the Army in in Congressional Budget and Legislative Liaison on Capitol Hill and uh, made, uh, shortly after the wall came down, um, some trips to what I had remembered as the USSR and now was just thought of as Russia. Uh, and was in Red Square on the Fourth of July. Oh wow, that's uh, I've I have stood in Red Square as well, and it is a pretty surreal feeling. Yeah, and at that time it was just kind of a very ironic sort of um, picture for me, I guess. Yeah. Um, or having been there uh, during the holiday and and seeing um, people worshiping. Uh, around uh, Christmas in ways and uh, in times that they probably hadn't known in their lives for years. Sure. So then uh, what year did you retire? I retired um, at uh, in February of 2006, so about 11 years ago after those 31 years, and I was... Um, I'm privileged to be able to retire as a as a brigadier general, and and so uh, had um, had a had a I guess a good run. Yeah, uh, I asked this uh, of many of my guests that have this experience. Um, you know, you you served during the uh, the transformation that our military took uh, through the 9/11 and uh, attacks. Can you just explain? Uh, describe uh, in your segments, your part of the military. Uh, you know, talk about the change that you saw between September 10, 2001, and September 12, 2001. Yeah. Um, well, having been in the Pentagon on September 11th, um, I uh, I never thought I would um, would draw hazardous duty pay by. Um, you know, showing up at an office building, but I don't suspect that those in New York City or in a field in Pennsylvania um, felt that way either. Um, I guess uh, the difference um, that I saw uh, from arguably one day to the next was um, an incredibly increased sense of urgency um and and a mobilization of the country uh around not only um not only that particular series of events but around the people who uh 
had um, uh, volunteered uh, to serve. And so unlike the Vietnam experience where we couldn't seem to separate as a society our our views on the war from those who um, had um, been asked to serve and sacrifice during it, we had apparently learned something over those years and and regardless of what we thought about um, the conflicts in Afghanistan and in Iraq, we were certainly um, destined to be able to still honor the service uh, and recognize the sacrifice of those that were serving as volunteers during those those times. Sure, absolutely. Um, let's talk about your transition after retirement. Did you? Uh, how did you find your transition out of the military? What was the experience like? Well, it was um, um, particularly interesting, I guess I would say. I was probably a little bit better positioned than some because many of my uh, service experiences had exposure to the private sector and uh, other parts of the public sector. So I don't know that um, mine would have been necessarily as uh, hard as, as some. Um, there was also, I guess, this sense that um, maybe general officers needed more help than others, and so we certainly were afforded uh, a good deal of support. Um, but I'm not sure that I, I managed it as well as I should have, even with all of that um, insight that I should have had and and the, um, the support that I received. And so um, while I... Um, uh, spent a couple of years in in the uh, government and um, defense services industry. Um, I think I I did so um, because that was maybe the easy path, rather than maybe the right path for me in the long run. And it took me a couple of years to uh, of good experience with a really really good company. Uh, to realize that I saw my future in a little different way and then had the opportunity to come to Walmart. And what I've had here was a great capstone opportunity uh, for a professional career where I provide, um, offer recognized value to the business. But the real passion for me is that I get to give back to those with whom I've had the privilege of serving for so many years, and sure. that's not a bad way to be able to get up in the morning. No, and uh, uh, something I like to ask my guests that I know my audience really appreciates, and you can answer this to whatever your comfort level is. But sure. a lot of a lot of veterans, when they separate from the military, experience some sort of emotional challenge or emotional crisis just in dealing with that transition. Is that anything that you experienced? Um, probably, but not to the extent that some do. I uh, um, it, it did take me, as I probably have um, alluded in the most recent comments, uh, a, a bit of time to find the sense of mission and purpose um, that I found while I was in uniform and that I have um, found here at Walmart. But I, I do think that uh, that's something that, that we all uh, have to find uh, once we take off our uniforms. And it, it took me a couple of years, I think, to get there. Um, but mine certainly wasn't as challenging, uh, Tim, as, as some others find. Sure. 
so senior director of military programs at Walmart. Um, can you just briefly describe, uh, I, know you, I know you mentioned it, you know, you're giving back to the veteran community, but how are you doing that through the entity of Walmart? Sure. Um, well, my responsibilities began when I came here about, um, oh, I guess a little more than eight years ago. I guess I tell people far longer than I expected to be here and and certainly um, uh, far longer than I had been anywhere. Uh, but I uh, came here initially uh, to um, try and do a better bit of work here at Walmart to um, attract, um, recruit, hire, grow and develop, uh, manage and retain people from the military community constituencies. But over those years, I have um, been asked to broaden that experience to include not only that um, part of our employment brand, but also the very important uh, reputational interests that we have in our relationship with the military and also uh, the very important um, segment of our customer population uh, that is uh, either parts of veteran families or military families or, frankly, those serving in the military. Yeah. So um, we, uh, you and I connected uh, because of um, – uh, someone who proposed the idea of talking about Walmart's grants to uh, Hire Heroes USA. Um, yes, and brand, uh, um, the audience will have heard Brian's, well, Brian Stan's uh, interview last week. Um, can you talk um, about what the grants, uh, why Hire Heroes was awarded the grants and what value Walmart sees in that organization? Oh, you bet. Um, uh, first of all, I, to give you some context, uh, the work that I do essentially is bucketed in three places, and I'll leave the the work uh, that I do with the Walmart Foundation, uh, which is a very important way that we try and address uh, unmet or undermet needs. Um, but also you have to kind of think of that in the context of the other three buckets that are the work that we do organically to hire um, uh, veterans and members of military families uh, and to encourage others to do the same. Uh, the important work we do with the Coalition for Veteran-Owned Business because we learned a long time ago that while we can do a lot organically, Tim, if we get into our supply chain and into the supply chains of others, uh, the multiplier effect is pretty staggering. And then finally, since we find ourselves in communities across the country, we think it's important to um, try and have a positive effect on the public discourse at the community level. And you might remember uh, our launch a couple of years ago of a campaign called Greenlight a Vet yeah. that was designed, frankly, to not – um, diminish the the sacrifice um, that those have made in their service to our country, but to close the dialogue that seemed to be a dichotomy of, hey, they're either heroes or they're victims when we really think they're just very valuable parts of our communities. Yeah, um, that's absolutely and, right. And and so um, that's that's what that's 
was really all about and is all about. Uh, when you talk about our philanthropy uh, and my great partnership with the Walmart Foundation, it's really important because one of the things that we know about veterans and those who have served is uh, civic and social responsibility is a really important thing. And uh, the organization Higher Heroes USA is uh, uh, just another great example of of the many that with whom we've we've had the privilege of partnering. Uh, they um, are a bunch of really highly trained veteran transition specialists offering personalized career coaching uh, to U.S. military members, veterans, and, and, and spouses. And we know that, that a job is one of the most important things, a uh, career is one of the most important things to offer these folks uh, the sense of um, purpose and mission in their lives and 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 to say nothing of the importance of of financial uh stability that it brings to their families and so we're really really proud to to uh, participate with with Brian and his and his um organization um in a really really important piece of of the work that we think uh we do with veterans and military families yeah, how competitive is a is a grant like that? What's the, what sort of things do uh, this Walmart, this Walmart Foundation look into? Oh gosh, before? yeah, yeah the due, due diligence of of my partners in the foundation is pretty rigorous because, as you can imagine, Tim, everybody asks Walmart to do everything, yeah, and we can't and we don't, and so those that are able to um, bring um, essentially. Uh, the kind of uh, demonstrated outcomes uh, in an organization with the same kind of um, moral, ethical foundation that we believe we have at Walmart are the kinds of organizations that, that tend to make the cut. Yeah. You mentioned the, uh, the partnership uh a few years ago with the the coalition for veteran owned businesses um yep. I, th- I think it's really imp- i think it's really important that uh there's continued support for veteran owned businesses because that is a segment of the veteran population and a segment of the business ownership population that have both been declining especially um if you go back as far as world war ii where over half of uh veterans returning from war started their own business um and so entrepreneurship i think in the veteran space and in 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 the uh in the small business space i think is it's really important to at least keep that alive even if it doesn't match you know historic numbers uh but you know to make sure that that the segment of that population um continues to thrive no, oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're spot on. I think that we know that veterans um, and military spouses uh, disproportionately are interested in entrepreneurship and, and in starting their own business. Uh, we want to support them uh, in all the ways that the coalition does, um, whether it's um, selling to other businesses or whether it's selling to consumers, uh, whether it's um, participating in the um, you know, the large supply chains, if you will, of a Fortune 500 company or whether it's um, participating in, in much smaller supply chains. We just really believe in the coalition that in addition to opportunities in, um, in public sector economies, 
um, the, there is just a huge um, opportunity in the private sector, and and too often um, our my veteran counterparts don't always find that as quickly as they do government contracting. Even though this is a, uh, you know, the Department of Veteran Affairs, we, we, we focus on post-military veteran experiences. I think yeah. one thing that my audience would find interesting is on uh, on Memorial Day, there was an announcement in which uh, Walmart announced that they're going to offer differential pay to associates that take leave of absence for military assignments. Um, yeah. Can you, yeah, can you speak on that? That's a pretty significant announcement. Well, spe- we, we think it's really important for us not to support our veteran associates um, after they join us. And we do it in a couple of ways. Um, The one you mentioned um, uh, is through our military leave of absence policy. Um, We know that um, we've actually offered differential pay since um, at least 2008. But importantly, we enhanced it this year in a number of ways, the most important of which in my view is the fact that we now um, are going to pay differential pay for those associates who choose to enlist in the military and go to basic training. Oh, wow. So one of the final barriers, at least the final financial barriers, to someone choosing to serve their country, we've tried to remove. Um, and I think that um, was an important step that we took and, and, and one that we felt very proud to take. The other thing I, I, I would just offer is that we know that, that um, military spouses um, maintaining their careers um, represents a really, really challenging uh, kind of experience. And our military family promise uh, is a way to turn jobs into careers where we um, guarantee a job at a nearby store or club for um, military personnel and military spouses who are employed by the company who move to a different part of the country because they or their spouse have been transferred by the U.S. military. So we have stories of of spouses who have maintained um, multi-year careers with Walmart um, as their spouse uh, was reassigned from Hawaii, for example, to Florida, wow. uh, to Texas, to, to New York. And that's a pretty cool thing when uh, I think you can actually keep uh, a military spouse in the same payroll and personnel system, much like I was when I was uh, moved around the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, military spouse is the, you know, the untold hero of every uh, yep. military family. And I think the sacrifices of military spouses, as much as we even try to recognize them, still go under, under, underappreciated. Um, the constant restarting or revamping of one's career every two to four years gets exhausting, especially if you're uh, married to a, uh, a lifer in the military. So I think it's, that's, that's really important that Walmart is, is noticing that and doing what they can to support. Yeah, and in some cases, uh, Tim, it's really enlightened self-interest because why wouldn't we want to keep a great employee? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gary, a couple questions uh, to to wrap up. Um, you know, Brian Stannon and Hire Heroes probably come to mind first, but if you can give me a, a different example, um, tell me a veteran or a veteran organization uh, that really has you excited right now with what the, what they're doing. 
Oh gosh, I, I the first one that comes to mind is 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 my friend um, Mike Haney at the Institute for Veterans and Military Families at Syracuse University, and our great relationship with them uh, as thought partners and thought leaders, um, but now uh, very very focused on an initiative called America Serves. Um, basically, uh, to streamline and and digitally connect veteran services available in communities and create um, actually the nation's first coordinated system of public, private, and nonprofit organizations. And um, we're very focused right now on the states of uh, New York. Um, the Carolinas and Texas uh, with designs to uh, ultimately link community communities across the country and the the promise of what we're seeing in those places now is is really incredible and then the other thing I guess I would mention is uh, we talked about the work that needs to be done with respect to military spouses but I'm also very proud of some work we're starting with Boston University School of Medicine uh, through the Women Veterans Network. Uh, I guess, I don't know if I can call it an acronym, but short, WOVEN, yeah. um, where uh, Boston University clinicians and researchers are leading a five-year initiative to establish a nationwide network of structured, uh, trained, peer-facilitated 10-week uh, support groups for female veterans, uh, a really, really underserved part of the military to this point. Sure. And we're trying to enhance wellness, quality of life, family relations, all of those things that that um, are important uh, to all of us. Yeah. Uh, Institute for Veterans and Military Families, affectionately referred to as IVMF, uh, as most yes, people sir. are probably familiar with it, doing a lot of great work and respecting the veteran community uh, since since they've come uh, been instituted. Um, what is a skill set that or a discipline, uh, talent, whatever you want to call it, that you learned in the military that's contributing to your success today? I think the most important thing was the military's commitment to my growth and development as a leader. Uh, from the time I was a lieutenant and my leadership was uh, uh, quite a directive and um, based upon, um, uh, I guess, what you would call the authority of, of just merely outranking someone to the work that I do here, which is essentially um, trying to influence people with ideas over whom I have no authority. and And I think that arguably better than any institution in the world, the U.S. military makes that commitment to grow and develop leaders, and I think over the years they've been pretty successful. Absolutely. Gary, I have one last question for you. What's it like living with a last name as profit? (laughs) Well, it's kind of funny, actually, Um, Tim. When I was in graduate school at the University of Michigan, everyone thought that was very um, either funny, strange, ironic. You kind of picked the picked the label, but um, I guess when I was in graduate business school, it, it seemed kind of appropriate. And I guess um, it's probably not a bad name to have at Walmart. 
No, no, definitely not. Gary, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for your service to our country and your continued support to veterans uh, in the military programs, uh, part of Walmart. I really appreciate it. Well, it it was a great pleasure to be with you, Tim. And um, we are really proud of uh, the little part that we are able to play with the work that Dr. Shulkin is doing at at the VA. I think it's uh, really uh, headed in 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 all of the right directions and and uh, we were really pleased to host him down here a month or so ago and then to see him at uh some work that the bush institute did earlier in 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 i guess maybe it was june now but anyway um really proud of the partnership that we're developing and enhancing yeah very cool gary thank you so much so much for your time i appreciate it There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care, specialty care, mental health care, and women's health specialty care, such as advanced breast and gynecological care, maternity care, and infertility treatments. At each of the 168 VA medical centers nationwide, a Women Veterans Program Manager is available to advise, advocate, and coordinate care for women veterans. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 1-855-VA-WOMEN or 1-855-829-6636 or contact the nearest VA medical center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. For more information about benefits and other services for women veterans, visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. A resource or opportunity that isn't brought up often is a presidential memorial certificate. A presidential memorial certificate is an engraved paper certificate signed by the current president in honor of the memory of a deceased veteran who is eligible for burial in a national cemetery. This program was initiated in 1962 by President John F. Kennedy and has been continued by all the subsequent presidents since then. An eligible recipient, i.e. a next of kin, a relative, a friend upon request, uh, may apply for a PMC by completing a form. Uh, That form and more information can be found at va.gov and just look under burials and memorials. The menu is right there on the top. Uh, If you've already requested a PMC, if you're familiar with this, you've already tried this, and it's been more than 16 weeks since you have not received it, uh, call 202-565-4964 to find out the status on your request. For the rest of you that are just hearing about this for the first time and you're interested, if you are a relative, Mexican, or even a friend, and you have a veteran uh, in your life that is buried at uh, one of our national cemeteries, you can contact NCA uh, using that website, va.gov, look under Burials and Memorials, and fill out a form to get your presidential memorial certificate and honor that veteran. Today's veteran of the day is Phil Ayers. Phil served in the Marine Corps in Vietnam from 1966 to 1967. During his tour, he was awarded three Purple Hearts for injuries he sustained. He is currently the pastor of Glade Creek Baptist Church near Roanoke, Virginia. We thank Phil for his service. To read Phil's full write-up and to nominate your own veteran of the day, visit blogs.va.gov. 
That does it for episode 43. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash veteransaffairs for more stories from our community. If you have any questions you'd like to have addressed on the show, email us at newmedia at va.gov or tweet at us using hashtag VA podcast. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. Thank you.